That's what we're going to do this year. We're going to look at one of the events that happened during the Passion Week. But I'm going to do something I've never done before, uh, here or anywhere. I've never, I've never done this before. I, I'm not going to teach on it for a, a pretty simple reason. I, I don't think I can. And it's interesting, speaking of being 50, thank you, Romney. I've sitting down, too. <laughs> sitting down, too, right. That's part of being 50. I've taught on this before when I was younger, and then I get older, and I read it, and I study it, and I think, well, how did I ever teach on it? And I, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't teach on this. Maybe if God spares me and I live into my 70s, then I'll just spend from 70 until I die teaching on it. Um, it's an event that happened sometime between the upper room and when Jesus and the disciples got to Gethsemane. It's recorded for us by John in John chapter 17. It's known as the high priestly prayer. Some people call it the Lord's Prayer. Not the prayer he taught us, not our Father, which art in heaven, but it's Jesus praying. It's Jesus praying. I, I want to read it to us now. I'm going to read it out of the New American Standard a little later. I'm going to read it out of Eugene Peterson's The Message. This is God the Son talking to God the Father. So it's God talking to God. So I just want, just have that in your mind. God talking to God as I, as I read this. These things Jesus spoke, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that the Son may glorify thee. Even as thou gavest him authority over all mankind, that to all whom thou hast given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I glorified thee on the earth, having accomplished the work which thou hast given me to do. And now glorify thou me together with thyself, Father, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I manifested thy name to the men whom thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them to me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have come to know that everything thou hast given me is from thee. For the words which thou gavest me I have given to them, and they received them, and truly understood that I came forth from thee, and they believed that thou didst send me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all things that are mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And I am no more in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep them in thy name, the name which thou hast given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I was keeping them in thy name which thou hast given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask thee to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world." Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. As thou didst send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. 
I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me. And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and now in me, that they may per be perfected in unity, that the world may know that thou didst send me and didst love them even as thou didst love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, in order that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou didst love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known thee, yet I have known thee, and these have known that thou didst send me. And I have made thy name known to them, and will make it known, that the love wherewith thou didst love me may be in them, and I in them. Majestic, isn't it? God talking to God. And, and maybe as I was reading it, it was hitting you, yeah, I, how do you teach on that? How do you teach on that? But here's the thing. We were given it. John recorded his memory of the event for us, so we have it. So I think we, we should read it. We should study it. We should meditate on it. We should reflect on it. And that's all I want to do this morning. I want to share just a few reflections with you that have been hitting me over the years and, and then again as I've been studying it through this season of Lent. And just share with you these reflections. And the first one is very simple. Jesus prayed. There's a lot of talk in the church and outside the church about prayer. What is it? How do you do it? Why do you do it? Should we do it? The efficacy of prayer. When? There are good arguments for it. There are good arguments against it. There are horrible arguments for it. There are horrible arguments against it. But I want to put all that noise over there just for a second. And if we call ourselves Christians, now this is for Christians. If, if you don't believe Jesus Christ is God, then that's fine. But to claim Jesus Christ as God, then Jesus prayed. So we should too. Right? Whether we understand it or not, whether we know the efficacy of, of it or not, whatever arguments our minds make, just put them there for a second. Jesus, when he was a man, prayed. And he said, follow me. I think prayer should be part of all of our lives, whether we understand it or not. Jesus prayed. And the second reflection that hits me whenever I read this is the timing of this prayer. Jesus was completely aware that moments from now, from this moment, he would suffer, well, first betrayal, then an arrest, then abandonment, then denial, torture, crucifixion, death. He knew all of this clearly was coming. Horrific, massive suffering. If you knew you were about to suffer immeasurably tomorrow, what would your prayer sound like? Would it sound like this? Like, when I was reading it, 
did you catch some of the words and the concepts? Glory. Thanksgiving. Hope. Relationship. Joy. Safekeeping. Yet he's on the threshold of massive suffering. And what's more, the entire prayer is for others. For others. He, he prays two things for himself. And both of them have to do with using the cross, one, to glorify God, and using the cross, two, to give us eternal life. I, you see why? That, this is like holy ground. Like take shoes off, burning bush type of stuff. I know in my own life, at least, when I'm in the middle of suffering or know I'm about to, I, my prayers don't really sound like that. It's amazing. But here's the thing. Remember last week, and maybe this has to do with why we're supposed to pray. Remember last week we looked at Jesus in the garden and he said, rise up, let us be going. That's why I played my city in ruins this morning. Come on, rise up. Rise up, let us be going and meet this. Why? Because Jesus spoke that we've been talking about the divine yes, right? Jesus spoke the divine yes. He spoke resurrection. Maybe because he spent time in prayer. That's how he was able to. His prayer was about others, about loving others. So when darkness and horror fell on him, he was prepared to live Resurrection. Maybe that's all prayer is for us, is practice to live resurrection. Like, when your enemies are in the middle of hating you, that's the worst time to start practicing love of enemies. Right, Tito? But if we're always praying about loving enemies, maybe it's practice. Then our enemies come we're ready for it. You know? He says, I manifested thy name to the men whom thou gavest me. And, and if you, as you read this, what keeps hitting, hitting me has this idea that these disciples, and, and, and ultimately us, he understands as this great gift from the Father. I love that. If you ever feel unwanted in this world, no, God wants us. He, he's, in his moment before he dies, he's thanking God for us. And then, how about this one? And all things that are mine are thine, thine are mine, and I have been glorified in them. So he's been glorified in these disciples of his. So let's wait, think about that. At this point, there's 11 left, and they've been mostly bumbling idiots, right? I don't want to characterize them, but it's true. Just read the Gospels. One's been called Satan already. How's that? A couple just want to drop bombs all the time on their enemies, and Jesus had to correct them and correct them and correct them. And, 
but he's been glorified in them, he says. I, oh, I still have my hat on, sorry. I don't know what that means, but I think it's good to reflect on. He says, but now I come to thee in these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy made full in themselves. Now remember, joy isn't happiness. Joy isn't, isn't this thing that we do. Joy isn't the pursuit of happiness that this country is all famous for and founded on. Joy is something, in, I mean, Jesus was called the man of sorrows, but it's unmistakable he had joy. This undescribable thing I think joy is, it's a peace, it's, a, it's being in the Garden of Gethsemane and rising up, even when everything is in ruins around us. Joy. His, his joy, his resurrection living, he prays for it to be in us, no matter how bad it gets. And then this is the one I think that really I in them and thou in me that they may be perfected in unity that the world may know thou didst send me and here it is didst love them even as thou didst love me. Have you ever thought well if you don't I mean if we don't read this chapter but so God loves us the way God loves his son. If ever a truth in scripture has been lost because of all the noise in Christianity, it is this truth. And we've got to get it back. We are loved as much as God loves his son. And listen, don't just hear that the way we always hear it in religion. It's not because you're good. And it's not because you did something. It's because you are created. And he loves you that much. And every single one of us sitting here is loved the same. Liz, God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Because thou didst love them even as thou didst love me. He's not asking God to love us. He just is telling God. He's saying it. it doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what you're going to do tomorrow. But I think to capture this truth is maybe being free to live exactly the way we're supposed to live. Because when we know we're loved like this, now we can start being free. And then Jesus says, and I know this is going to sound blasphemous, but it's, I'm saying it because it's right here. Father, I desire that they also whom thou hast given me 
be with me where I am. There is a sense to that prayer that for Jesus, heaven is not heaven without us. And just think about that. When you're feeling unloved and feeling the world is collapsing all around you, Jesus just wants us with him. And he ends with this. And I have made thy name known to them and will make it known that the love wherewith thou didst love me may be in them and I in them. So just think of that for a second. As Christians, we're all Trinitarians at some level because it's the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Godhead is three persons in one. Perfect relationship, perfect love amongst them. And here, what does Jesus pray? That we are part of that. As much as God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit love each other, we, that He wants us in that. Palm Sunday. It, it, it's such a powerful day and week because it echoes our own story, doesn't it? When we're honest. We've all been there on Sunday morning celebrating this king that's going to change lives. We've all vowed to follow him. And we do. We go into the city with him. Most of us go to the upper room. Many of us let him wash our feet and serve us communion. But all of us, all of us, at one time or another, walk away before Friday afternoon. Whether it's been just for an hour or a day or a year or a decade, we've all walked away because the cross, it's... We, we, we'd rather this. And, that, and it's good, I suppose. But that's why this prayer is so perfect for Palm Sunday because no matter when we've walked away and stopped before the cross it doesn't matter he loves us like he loves the son and that gives us the power to not stop again the world's full of crosses you can't avoid them here's the difference if Christ is in us we can use them to save the world or we can just suffer on them I think there is a mystery and a magic and a depth to this prayer that Jesus prayed that if we would let it be in us, we could rise up. Go all the way to Friday. Be there Sunday morning again. Father, it's time. Display the bright splendor of your Son so the sun in turn may show your bright splendor. You put him in charge of everything human so he might give real and eternal life to all in his charge. 
And this is the real and eternal life. That they know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. And now, Father, glorify me with your very own splendor. The very splendor I had in your presence before there was a world. I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women you gave me. They were yours in the first place. Then you gave them to me, and they have now done what you said. They know now, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that everything you gave me is firsthand from you. For the message you gave me, I gave them. And they took it and were convinced that I came from you. They believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the God-rejecting world, but for those you gave me, for they are yours by right. Everything mine is yours, and yours mine, and my life is on display in them. For I'm no longer going to be visible in the world. They'll continue in the world while I return to you. Holy Father, guard them as they pursue this life that you conferred as a gift through me, so they can be one heart and mind as we are one heart and mind. As long as I was with them, I guarded them in the pursuit of the life you gave through me. I even posted a night watch, and not one of them got away, except for the rebel bent on destruction, the exception that proved the rule of Scripture. Now I'm returning to you. I'm saying these things in the world's hearing so my people can experience my joy completed in them, I gave them your word. The godless world hated them because of it, because they didn't join the world's ways, just as I didn't join the world's ways. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. They are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecrating truth. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. So I'm consecrating myself for their sake so they'll be truth consecrated in their mission. I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them, so they'll be as unified and together as we are. I and them and you and me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and love them in the same way you've loved me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am so they can see my glory, the splendor you gave me, having loved me long before there ever was a world. Righteous Father, the world has never known you, but I have known you. And these disciples know that you sent me on this mission. I have made your very being known to them, who are you, who you are, and what you do, and continue to make it known, so that your love for me might be in them exactly as I am in them. Amen.